I've been preaching a sermon series called Sent, and I begin with this, this, the idea of why was Jesus sent to earth, and to look from Scripture at the purpose statements as, of, as to why he was sent to earth. So first of all, I dealt with he was sent to set the captives free. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, he was sent to heal the sick, cast out demons, to set the captives free. Number two, he was sent to call sinners. I dealt with this last week. He was sent to call sinners, to call them to repentance, to call them to righteousness. And now this morning, I want to finish it by talking about a third reason why he was sent, and that is he was sent to destroy death. He was sent to destroy death. There's an old title from the 1500s that goes like this, Death of Death in the Death of Christ. And that's what we see. He came to destroy the power of death. If you have your Bibles, let's look at Revelation chapter 1. Revelation 1 verse 18. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Meaning now Jesus has the authority over hell and death. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said in verse 54, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? And O Hades, where is your victory? Can somebody say amen? amen? You know, every time we attend a funeral, every time we see a funeral procession pass by us, every time we visit a graveyard, it screams to us, that something is dramatically wrong with the world. New Testament scholar George Eldon Ladd wrote like this. He said, everywhere one, goes, everywhere one goes, he finds gaping graves swallowing up the dying. Tears of loss, of separation, of final departure stain every face. Every table sooner or later has an empty chair. Every fireside, it's vacant place. Death is the, gen- is the great leveler. Wealth or poverty, fame or oblivion, power or futility, success or failure, race, creed, or culture, all human distinctions mean nothing before the ultimate irresistible sweep of the sigh of death which cuts down all. And whether the mausoleum is a famous, fabulous Taj Mahal, a massive pyramid, an unmarked spot of ragged grass, or the unplotted depths of the sea, one fact remains, death reigns. Death reigns. All of us have an appointment with death. Unless we're here at the coming of the Lord, all of us will face death. There's a statistic out that says 100 out of 100 people will die. Very true. All of us will face death. But you know, death was not part of the original plan of God. If you read the Bible in Genesis chapters 2 and 3, you find out that God created man and woman and he created them to live forever. It's it's hard for us to understand that because all we've ever been exposed to is this cycle of life and death, life and death. Things are born, things grow, and they die. Plants, trees, there's a life process. Animals Human beings, there's this natural life process. But God didn't intend it to be that way. He intended people to live forever. We're spiritual beings, amen? But he also intended the physical body to live forever. Blows my mind. Adam and Eve didn't die until after they had sinned. 
And then the Bible says, I think Adam died around 950 years old. Not too bad to us today, but nonetheless, he wasn't meant to die. He wasn't meant to die. So when God sent Jesus, he came in flesh to undo everything the devil had done. To turn over his kingdom. To take authority away from Satan's kingdom. And to reverse the curse of sin in humanity. And so what he's done is he came and in his death, burial, and resurrection, he crushed the power of death, which was the ultimate end all of us will face. Can somebody shout amen? So I'm going to give you three things that, three, three things that Jesus' resurrection speaks to me and should speak to you. First of all, it speaks that Jesus really is the Son of God. Paul said in Romans chapter 1 that by the resurrection of the dead, he was declared to be the Son of God. He was declared to be the Son of God and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. It's like he was, uh, if we could use a basketball analogy now that we're into the NCAA finals and all this, that, that, that Jesus was like preseason ranked number one. But now he's gone through the season and tournament and he's won the final championship game and proven that he's number one. You know, I went to the University of Kentucky, bless his holy name, and we're often ranked number one, or sometimes we're ranked number one preseason, but being ranked number one and finishing the year number one is two totally different things, but Jesus did it, hallelujah. Ranked son of God from all eternity, God from all eternity, but yet he came down in the form of a man, died on a cross, and ended with the resurrection from the dead, proving that he was the son of God. Can somebody shout amen? And Jesus had prophesied this. We see in the book of Matthew in chapter 16. He told his disciples, he said, I'm going to suffer at the hands of the religious leaders, but then I will rise from the dead. He said in Mark chapter 8, after three days, I will rise again. The disciples couldn't wrap their minds around that. They were looking for a Messiah in a different mode, in a different function. They were looking for a conquering king, but he came as a suffering servant like the suffering servant psalms of Isaiah. He came to fulfill all of that and on the third day rise from the dead. Amen? There's a common fallacy in the world that says that all religions are, are just the same pursuit to the same God. Okay? Or let me put it this way. They're different pursuits to the same God. So no matter if you're Buddhist, you're Hindu, you're Muslim, you're, you're whatever, you're, you're, we're all going to end up at the same place one day. Well, you know, the doctrine of the resurrection really crushes that theory. Because if you look at world religions, they're very different. They're very different and distinct in what they teach. And none of them teach resurrection like Christianity does. And, and the resurrection is what really separates Christianity in the end. The person of who Jesus was and the resurrection. Though others might believe in resurrection, such as Islam or Judaism, they don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. But that separates us from all other world religions because in the end, all other religious founders and religious leaders are dead and buried and their bones are somewhere. Muhammad is in a grave somewhere. Confucius is in a grave somewhere. 
Moses is in a grave somewhere. The Buddha is in a grave somewhere. But I've been to Jerusalem many times. And I've been to the garden tomb. And guess what? No one was in the tomb. No bones, no residue, no clothes. I've been to the church of the Holy Sepulchre in the old city many times. And guess what? No one was in the tomb. No bones, no dust, no residue, nothing. Why? Because our Lord is risen from the dead. Somebody shout amen. He is risen from the dead. Second thing that the resurrection means to me is that our greatest enemy has now been conquered. Now, now, granted, Satan is our greatest enemy in this earth realm. He fights the church. He fights the people of God. But I think speaking naturally is an effect of his destruction, and that is death that we have to face in the end. But in the death and resurrection of Jesus, that great enemy at the end has now been defeated. He's been defeated. Can somebody shout amen? Back to George Eldon Ladd, he said, The good news is this, death has been defeated. Our conqueror has been conquered. And in the face of the power of the kingdom of God in Christ, death was helpless. It could not hold him. Death has been defeated. Life and immortality have been brought to life. And the empty tomb in Jerusalem is proof of it. Hallelujah. So God had a plan that he would eventually conquer the consequence of sin. He would conquer death itself. No wonder I've been preaching this now for weeks. 1 John 3, 8, that the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And one of those works was, was pulling mankind into sin and eventually pulling him into death. And now that itself has been conquered. Hallelujah. No wonder Jesus told John in Revelation chapter 1, he said, I am he who lives and was dead, and now I am alive forevermore. Why? Because death couldn't hold him. Death has no more power on him. He's conquered it, and now he holds the keys and the authority in his hands. So what's, what's that mean for you and I? Well, for you and I, it means our future is bright now means we have a great future. Look at your neighbor and say, your future is looking pretty good to me. Because if you're in Christ, your future is really bright right now. Because so many people have feared death. And they have this foreboding sense of death in the future. And we've, we've sung songs about it, movies about it, written poems about it. Death is caricatured as this uh, you know, icy-looking figure with the sigh and with the cape and all that. And people dread it. This past year during COVID, it's come like to the forefront, man. People have been so fearful. And, and we should have taken precautions, and it was a bad deal, no doubt. But nonetheless, there was this unnatural-seeming fear that, everyone that that had gripped everyone around the world you know and it's just more of that fearing death fearing the consequence but you know what if you're a believer if you confess Jesus as Lord if you're born again all of that fear has now been removed from you if you'll accept it and now your future is bright you don't have to live in this foreboding sense of doom and impending destruction but now you've been set free death has been conquered conquered in your life. Now sin is under your feet. Now Jesus is your Lord. Now Satan should have no authority in your life because the risen one is living inside you. Come on, somebody. Can you raise your hands and give him a shout? Amen. Okay. 
Let me give you this. The penalty of death is removed. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, death has been swallowed up in victory. Death has been swallowed up in victory. He was actually quoting Isaiah chapter 25, which says, the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the rebuke of his people. Isaiah was saying there's a day coming when the rebuke, or it's also translated the penalty, the penalty of sin, the consequence of sin. There's coming a day, Isaiah said, when God's going to wipe that away. Well, then in Christ and in his resurrection was that day. He wiped away the penalty and conquered death in the meantime. No wonder Paul took that verse which is from, the, and he's quoting it from the Septuagint Greek, right? And he takes that verse and he changes words. So in the, the, the uh, Isaiah passage in the Septuagint, it reads like this, that, that God will remove away the rebuke or the dikos, the penalty. But what Paul did is replaced it with nikos, victory. That God takes away the decos and replaces it with nikos. He takes away the penalty and replaces it with his victory. He takes away the consequence and replaces it with his victory. He takes away death and replaces it with his victory. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you might be asking, yeah, okay, you're saying death is gone and it's no longer an issue for a believer. So why are we all still dying? Well, it's, it, it's interesting because when Christ came, He came and, and what He did is already in motion. He came and defeated Satan, defeated the death, def- took the power of death, the sting of it away, but yet it has not yet been completely obliterated. There is a coming day when he will completely obliterate death and cast it into the lake of fire. Just like Satan was defeated at the cross, but yet we're still fighting him. But we're fighting a defeated foe, and now we're fighting from the position of victory and not from the position of defeat. But yet we haven't come to the day in history yet when he comes back and completely eliminates Satan and throws him into the lake of fire. But guess what? That day is coming. So right now we're still facing death. But there's coming a day in the future where there will be no more death. But for the believer, when you face death, now you're not facing it from the point of defeat. You're facing it from the point of victory. And when a saint of God goes home now, it's a shouting time. It's a party in heaven. I know we deal with the consequence and we deal with the sadness and the grief. But really, it's a victory because one now has passed from death unto life, has passed from the, 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 the time frame we're in over into eternity, has put it behind them. And I believe there's a shouting time in heaven when they go home. Somebody shout amen. So, you know, there's, there's this idea that death comes and, and he's got his icy cold fingers and he comes and, and he takes people with him. And I just, I just can't believe that's the way for the saint. Why? Because Jesus said there was a rich man and the rich man was a greedy person, you know. And when he died, he went straight to hell. But he said there was a poor man, a poor beggar named Lazarus who was righteous And when he died, it didn't say death came and got him. It said the angels came. 
and carried him into the presence of Abraham or into paradise. And I just kind of believe that when a born-again Christian goes home, that maybe there's a band of angels that show up as escorts and escort them right into the presence and glory of God. Hallelujah. Showing them that death really was just nothing to them. It just passed them into eternity. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. My grandmother told a story years ago. She said that they kept her grandmother as she was dying of tuberculosis. And they kept her in an upper room, and, and she grew up in West Virginia, in the coal mining areas of West Virginia. And she said, I remember as my grandmother was dying, she said, I've been seeing pretty things pass by the windows all day. And she said, oh, there comes Jesus. And he's holding a little baby. And she went home to be with the Lord. I don't know, when my father-in-law died, uh, my wife went home to see him before he passed away. And uh, Jackie ran in, and she saw him. She spent some time with him. She told him she loved him. And then she went to the bedroom to lay down because it's really late at night. She said, huh, as soon as I got in the bedroom, the door went boom. And no one opened it. And then I heard my sister crying, and I realized my dad had gone to be with the Lord. I don't know the interpretation of that, and I don't know what to do with that, but I live on the believing side. I kind of like to think the angels came. He was a man of God and took him home. I've heard testimonies of people dying and they were unrighteous people. They weren't saved and they were screaming because their feet were on fire and asking someone to rescue them from their fate. And I've read the story of great people of God going home and as they were dying, it was a party. It was a celebration happening. They're seeing Jesus. They're seeing saints of old. They're seeing streets of gold. Hallelujah. I don't know about you. I want to be on that side in the end and not the other side. Don't you? I want to be on that side. So what's going to happen? Listen to this. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 4. He said, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So God cares so much about this resurrection issue that... I believe when a saint dies, they, they're with the Lord. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So I believe our spirit goes back to God. But God cares so much about this resurrection issue that he's not going to leave even this body alone. Whatever's left of this body, the dust, the bones, the teeth, the skull, he's coming back after it. And he's coming back and he's calling it out of the grave and changing it supernaturally, and then we're reunited with our spirit in heaven so we'll ever forever live in a resurrected body, proving in the end, this is my idea, proving in the end that God has overturned and redeemed every single thing Satan did to mankind. God's saying, I'm not doing a half work. I'm not doing a three-quarter work. I'm coming in, and I'm redeeming everything that the enemy has done to my people. Oh, hallelujah. So in the end, we're now joined with the saints of God. Death is conquered, and then it's thrown into the lake of fire forever. Hallelujah. And it's all said and done. Let's read it. Revelation chapter 20, verse 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. 
there's going to be a day when there's no more funeral homes, believe it or not. There's going to be a day where there's no more hospitals. There's going to be a day when no more, we no longer have to wear masks. <laughs> there's going to be a day when we don't, no longer have diseases. There's going to be a day we're all free from this. We got the first fruits of it now. We hear it. We sense it. Victory has been signaled in the heavenlies. Christ has already overcome all the kingdom of the enemy. We're fighting skirmish warfare right now. You know, I've used this analogy a lot, and I'll use it again. Uh, one, one scholar named Gerhardus Voss said it like, you know, talked about the already but not yet, and I, I'm going to use an analogy. The, the already, when Christ came, it was like, it was like D-Day in World War II. What happened on D-Day in World War II was the greatest amphibious landing known in the history of warfare. We landed with the Allies on the shores of Normandy, France, and it was basically saying it's all but over. Because when we landed, then the Allied forces started marching all the way to Berlin. But yet, victory wasn't celebrated until Japan was defeated, and then the troops came home, and there were celebrations on the street. So between D-Day and V-Day, there was some fighting and warfare that took place, but the, but the ring of victory had basically been rung at Normandy. And it's like Jesus died on the cross, and that was doomsday for the devil. But yet victory day is when he comes back in the clouds. And we are all received up to meet him in the air. Hallelujah. We're living between that D-Day and V-Day fighting skirmish warfare. But we know the victory's already been settled. We've already read the back of the book. And we know who comes out in the end on top. Satan knows who comes out at the end on the top. He knows his destiny. Come on, is anybody in this church this morning? How many are on the winning side this morning? Father, I bless you. Come on, let's lift our hands. Father, we bless you and we thank you for victory. We thank you that now we're, 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 we're living life from the point of victory, not from the point of defeat. That you overcame death and you wiped it away, Lord, and we're living in that hope and in that victory. Everybody stand with me if you would. Father, we praise you. Hallelujah. Father, we praise you. Lord, we praise you. Come on, I want every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to pray, but I'm going to ask you a question before I pray. And, and you know, we've, we've been fasting. We've been praying for this day. And I've already prayed for you, and I'm believing God's going to do some amazing things in, in some lives in this building right now. I've, I've been believing that by faith. And here's the deal. I'm going to ask you the most important question you will ever be asked in this lifetime. And that is, are you ready to meet God? God forbid, but some of you could not see tomorrow. God forbid that would happen, but it's a possibility. And if that were to happen, are you ready to meet God? You know, the Bible says in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you believe in your heart that, that Christ was raised from the dead and confess it with your mouth, you shall be saved. Acts says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Even the thief who was crucified next to Jesus. He said, Lord, just remember me when you come into your kingdom. He understood. He believed. He confessed it out of his mouth. And Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't have time to go through a new members class, join a church, or even be baptized. But he made it to heaven. It was a turning of the heart. A turning of the heart and confessing that out. 
So every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want to accept Jesus as your Savior, and you're here this morning, and you know I've been preaching at you, and I'm not going to embarrass you, but how about just lift your hand right now? And you can put it down afterwards, but just lift your hand as a sign. I want to accept the Lord, Pastor Hans. I want to accept the Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Maybe there's others in here. Thank you. I want to accept the Lord. I want to leave here knowing that Christ is in my heart. Thank you. Thank you, guys. What we're going to do is we're going to pray. We'll pray two different things, and then we're going to worship a little bit at the end of this. I'm going to pray two things. We're going to pray for those who are accepting Christ. We're going to confess it with our mouths. And then number two, I'm going to pray the spirit of, the spirit of fear leaves this place right now. And fear of death leaves this place. Okay, let's pray. Come on, pray it with me. Pray it out loud. Even if you're, if, if you're a born-again Christian, you've been serving the Lord for a long time, pray it out with us. So you're praying it with your brothers and sisters here who are coming into the kingdom. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. Father in heaven, I believe Jesus Christ died for my sins and rose from the grave on the third day. I believe he's seated in heaven, having power over death and hell. I accept Christ as my Lord. I walk away from the world. I leave sin behind. And I walk to you, Jesus. Forgive me of all my sin. Wash me clean. Forgive me, Lord. I forgive others. And I lay it down right now. And I make you Lord of my life. Come on, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you that my sins are forgiven. Thank you that I'm born again. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody lifting your hands right now. Father, I come against the spirit of fear, and especially the fear of death. You have no authority in this building right now. We bind your power and cast you out of here in Jesus' name. And we break your hold in people's lives. No longer will they fear they're going to die of some disease their parents or grandparents had. No longer will they have this foreboding sense about them that, that, that the shoe's going to drop the next day and something bad's going to happen. We break it in Jesus' name. And God, we loose your authority and power in this house, Lord. Hallelujah. Right now, fill with the Spirit and set people free by the power of God right now, Lord. And we give you praise and, and, and honor and glory for all you've done. And everybody can shout amen if you're in agreement. Put your hands together and give the Lord a praise. Thanks so much for watching us online. Uh, we're so blessed to, to live in an era where we can come to you uh, on this platform and be able to preach the gospel and worship with you right in your home. I don't know where you are today with the Lord, but uh, I want to close this time with prayer. And whatever needs you have, let's bring them to the Lord right now, but especially if you're not serving the Lord. If you've never accepted Christ into your heart, right now's the time to do that. All you have to do is open your heart and say, Lord, come in. I believe Jesus is Lord. Forgive me of my sins. I want to change. You make that decision in your heart, then God's going to come in and he's going to do the rest. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you'll be saved. In the book of Acts, it said, call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. So let's pray for these two issues right now, okay? Pray with me. Father in heaven, I open up my heart. I repent of all my sin, and I ask Jesus into my life right now. And I thank you that my sins are gone, and I thank you that my life has changed in Jesus' name. 
Now, Lord, I bring before you all the needs of the audience that's watching right now. Everyone who's hurting, they're struggling, they have issues going on. We bring those needs to the throne of God in the name of Jesus. And we ask you, Father, to meet them, to bless right now through the power of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody can say amen. Hey, we love you. Thank you for following us. Thank you for watching us online. And I hope to see you again.